Welcome to the Straight from the Source's Mouth podcast. Frank talk about sex and dating. All right. Welcome to episode number 10. My name is Tamara and you're listening to the Straight from the Source's Mouth podcast, where we have Frank talk about sex and dating in the modern world. And today we are discussing love languages and attachment style again, but more as a foundation. And today we have Danielle is back. She is the dating coach based in Sydney with a degree in psychology and years years of experience in studying human behavior. And actually this, we had this discussion at the end of our session last time and didn't record it and kept talking. And I think it was um, very necessary. So welcome again, Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again and to do, uh, I guess, a further discussion about these topics because they're always interesting to talk about. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, we mentioned, you know, literally like these are the foundation of like great relationships. I would say the love languages, knowing your own, knowing your partners. And then to me, ideally, you have the same ones to make it work. But um, and the book is if I'm sure everyone's aware of it by now, but the five love languages by Gary Chapman. And it says how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate. And there are five basically five love languages. And those are quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. And the attachment styles we covered before were either secure, anxious, or avoidant. So do you have any opening comments on that, Danielle? Yeah, I mean, I guess from the kind of people that I've worked with in the past, I know that you've got your, obviously, your three forms of attachment styles. So you've got your anxiously avoid, uh, anxiously attached people, your avoidantly attached people, and your securely attached people. Um, but there can be a crossover between these, and I think it's really important to understand that crossover um, so you can get, like, anxious avoidant partners so they're avoidant because of that I guess they're they're scared to form that attachment with someone so because of that it makes them act in a certain way so if your partner is anxiously avoidant it means that they'll have some of the signs of being an anxiously attached partner so the maybe the behavior that's a bit um, out of character when it comes to things like, I guess it's what it's called protest behavior. So they'll have all these protest behaviors, but they'll be doing them because they're trying to push people away. So although that's quite predominant in anxiously attached partners in the first place, if they're anxiously avoidant, these things become even more heightened. So it becomes more of an issue for them. Yeah, actually I just, you know, and we won't go too much into this, but I mentioned I was meeting someone new and I thought we had the same attachment style. It turns out we both were the mixture of avoidant and anxious. So, but we had it different ways and yeah, it definitely, cause you, you're so you get, you can get needy as they say. So you start to get mad when they pull away. So you're, you kind of become, you push them away by, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> And I think like something that's quite important, especially for women, um, that they'll probably be able to resonate with this quite strongly is when you start dating initially, you kind of have the attitude of, 
well, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't care if you like me. I don't care if you're putting in effort. So whatever, like you can do whatever you want and yeah, we'll just see where it goes. So that's the, that's the avoidant part of a female coming out initially because maybe we're scared of being hurt. So that avoidant behavior is there initially, but then the more you get to know someone, the more attached you become to them and then you get scared of them leaving. So this is where your anxious attachment style comes out. So your attachment style can change dependent on how strong your feelings are for the person that you're dating and how those feelings are progressing. So it can just bring out different start, slightly different aspects of your attachment style throughout your relationship. Um, so if people say, you know, well, I, I'm definitely anxiously attached. I would, I guess I'd question this a little bit because I, I do think our attachment styles change throughout our dating process. Um, I do think we mirror repetitive behaviors so we'll probably be able to see that we behave in a similar way throughout all of our dating experiences but to be able to say you strongly sit in one style and you're constantly in that style I think there's a little bit of leeway and so like I said for women especially you'll probably be able to resonate with the story that I've just told of you know someone who's doesn't really care about what the male is doing. And then all of a sudden they're going, well, now I've got these feelings and I'm so scared that he's going to leave. I'm going to cling on like really like so much. And the guy that you're dating is probably going, well, she didn't start off like this. She's actually started off like really laid back and chilled out. So where has this behavior come from? Yeah. And I, it definitely resonates on both sides for the, the circumstance I just mentioned, you know, he was the same way he, gets scared early on and then eventually comes around apparently. But, um, and I also, if you, we, we can keep going on this, but we did have one episode on this. So I was going to say, if we cover maybe more of the love languages part two, obviously that part is going to be there no matter what. And we can fold it in as well, but I just wanted to make sure your thoughts on love languages. Like to me, I feel like I'm not going to date anyone anymore that doesn't have the same love languages as me. Like it just makes it so much easier to just get what you want you know, minor quality time and the physical touch. So I like affectionate people and I don't want to do without that anymore. I don't think. Yeah, it, it definitely makes it easier. I think in all honesty, the easier it is to understand where those attachment, sorry, where those love languages have come from in a person, um, the easier it is to kind of manage them in a relationship. So for example, you know, if you respond really well to physical touch, but your partner responds really well to um, acts of service, you've got two very differing love languages there. And the most important thing I think is to recognize when your partner is displaying their love and affection for you. Because if you're looking or paying attention to something different and they're displaying it in a way that they feel comfortable in doing, you might not associate that with love. So they could be doing all the laundry for you. They could be doing the grocery shop for you. And to them, this is how they show that they care. Whereas you're waiting for them to give you a hug and give you a foot rub because physical touch is the the aspect that you want. So until you've had that love language displayed that you resonate with, you're just looking at your partner going, well, they don't love me because they're not doing all these things. And it's really, really important to actually be considerate of how the other person is displaying affection. Because sometimes I think we get so caught up in our own love language and what we associate as being love 
that we forget that the other person might not actually necessarily display it in the way that we want them to. Yeah, I totally agree. And once in the, in the book, they have a quiz and online you can find them now too. Cause you know, like you said, if you know, if you, and they talk about love in the book, he talks about a love tank, you know, your either love tank is either full or low and you need the love, you know, you need to be shown to you in the right way to fill up your love tank. But knowing that they love you a different way, you can see like, Oh, it actually does fill my love tank. Once you recognize that pretty much like you're saying. Yeah, for sure. It it doesn't necessarily have to be the ways that you're used to. Um, I know, again, like I've spoken about love languages in great, great detail with people before, um, but it's understanding where your love language has come from that's going to help you a lot in your, like, your adult relationship. So, for example, I hear a lot from people that their parents have displayed love and affection to them in one way and then as an adult they will display it in the same way that their parents have to them but they want to receive it in the opposite way to how they've been receiving it as a child so for example if your parents as you were growing up bought you loads of toys and took you on really nice holidays then you've been used to gift giving and quality time as your love languages so they're going to be the ways that you give love to other people because that's how you've grown up around it and that's all the displays that you're used to seeing. However, normally how you end up wanting to receive love back are the ways that you've lacked receiving it as a child or as you've been growing up. So that person then might want physical touch as the way that they receive love as an adult. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Because, yeah, my my family wasn't very affectionate growing up, so it makes sense that I would like physical touch and yeah, and even quality time. Cause you know, dad was working a lot. Like most families, you have someone that works a lot. So. And what, what are some other things you and your dating coach, um, like stuff that comes up for you about dating or coaching others? Well, like I said, around the whole topic of like love languages, which I, I do find really interesting because I think it's, I always find it fascinating how we've, if like I just said we've grown up seeing love displayed to us in one way that as adults we only really know how to display it in the same way so we you know like I said if you've been used to receiving gifts as a form of love expression as a child that would just come naturally to you as an adult so you know how to spoil other people you know how to like pick out random gifts for them that maybe other people wouldn't necessarily think of. But when it comes to displaying love in like a physical sense, because maybe you haven't received it in that way, you're kind of getting a little bit stuck at how to do that. So if your partner's love language, for example, is physical touch, this might be a little bit of a barrier for you. Um, I, I can speak from personal experience here. Like I, I love receiving physical touch as a love language now as an adult, but growing up, I didn't, that wasn't how my parents showed love to me. So I find it really hard to be touchy feely with other people. Like even my friends, I don't like hugging my friends, (laughs) which is a really funny thing. And like, it's such a small thing, but it doesn't come naturally to me. Whereas it would come very, very naturally to me to like help my friends with tasks because that acts of service was there for me like while I was growing up or it was it comes really easily to me to 
buy my friends flowers if they're feeling upset because again like that's what I've been used to growing up but there are aspects that it's not that I find it difficult it's just it's a bit more challenging because it's not something that you've grown up and you haven't been you haven't grown up seeing so if you haven't grown up seeing it you as an adult just wonder how to do it but you know it's something that you crave so you know that it's it exists because you've seen other people do it I mean you know we watch rom-coms and we watch Disney movies and we kind of grow up in a way that these kind of things are inbuilt into us so we see the big romantic bold gestures and we look at them and go oh I want that like I haven't seen that happen so obviously it exists like it must exist but then the only problem with that is that we might then build up an unrealistic expectation of love because if we're basing love off of films and things like that and we expect this big passionate love that you maybe haven't grown up around you've maybe grown up around something that's calm and realistic which obviously you know is totally fine because that's actually what love tends to be as we get older but if that's not what you expect love to look like then you might end up being being a little bit disappointed so I always say to people like it's really really important to sit down with your partner even if it's someone that you're newly dating and have like a really open conversation with them about what love looks like to them because like I said, if love to them is like bold, passionate, romantic gestures and like loads of like gift giving and just things like that. But to you, it's not like that. It's like sat at home on a Friday night watching TV together and making each other dinner or, you know, nudging the other one to make you a cup of tea, for example. Your ideas of love love are very different. So again, going back to the whole love languages thing, you could be displaying love to them in a way that doesn't resonate with them. So if they don't look at love and think it is sitting at home on a Saturday night, but you're saying, oh, I'd love to sit at home with you and watch this film and we could order dinner in because that's how you display that, con- that or that's how you build that intimate connection with them, there's going to be some sort of disconnect there. So it's almost like a managing of expectations, I suppose. That's all I can say is I totally agree. And I do, in the book, they do have suggestions for, um, like, if your partner is quality time, that's not necessarily your thing. Um, there's, like, literally, like, 10 different suggestions. Let's take a walk together. You know, just and once you know, you know, what someone's language you can do, each, each chapter has different suggestions. But yeah, I actually, back to the expectation management, I, in my stand-up, I mentioned this. I'm like, we're ruining an entire generation while these you know, Hallmark movies and romantic comedies and, you know, the expectation thing, especially on the women's part, because there are no, as I say in my stand-up, there are no guys, like, just, like, urging or running out there to be Prince Charming. Like, maybe a few, but it's not, like, it's not, like, a cultural thing to all the guys want to be Prince Charming, <laughs> but all the women want to be princesses. So No, and you know what's funny? Normally, the the men who appear in real life who are like the Hallmark movies we as women don't tend to want them anyway because we generally as a population get put off by these overtly over-the-top expressions of love Um, because we kind of trick ourselves into thinking it's what we want but when we actually have it in front of us it's very overwhelming like I know that I've had friends experience this I've experienced this like 
it's not even like a love bombing thing. It's just if a guy is super, super romantic and is super into the big gestures, they'll do that. It's not that they don't want to do it. If, if that's how they are as a person, like they'll do it. But actually, it's really important to sit back and go, is that what you want? Is that what you want for the rest of your life? If you marry that person, will you actually want that kind of attention on you for the rest of your life? Because that's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. And actually the experience I just had, it started out like that where it was very um, attentive, like even like, oh, wait, there's a little puddle like moving me and like pointing out different stuff. Like, and it, it turns out it may have been part of a, a grooming thing, you know, come off as the gentleman and not so much. But yeah, I had to look at it. it can be kind of like just too much like I. All right. So. Uh, what other suggestions around this? And we can bring in the attachment styles again, but I know we talked about it basically being the foundation of, you know, how a relationship is going to work or the most solid ones, you know, have a combination of, you know, similar stuff or, or what have you seen that works when you're coaching? Yeah. Look, I mean, when we say similar things, I don't mean you need to be dating or you don't need to marry a person who has, everything that's similar to you because actually you you kind of want someone that's going to challenge you and make you step out of your comfort zone and do different things like ultimately if you're a party goer you're not also going to want to be dating the person that stays out until 6am like you you want someone to bring out a different aspect of you you want someone who challenges you a little bit like I know for me personally I'm a bit of a control freak so I need someone who doesn't cater to that. I need someone who actually brings out a more spontaneous side of me because otherwise I'm just constantly bringing out a side of my personality that like I'm aware of already. Like I want someone to bring out aspects of me that are slightly hidden because that's how you better yourself and that's how you make a relationship stronger because you're challenging each other. But if that person just compliments everything that you do by doing the same thing, it's not actually going to make a healthy relationship. Like you want someone who's going to challenge you to be better. And the way that you're challenged to be better is to have different aspects of your personality brought out, even if they're ones that aren't maybe necessarily readily available to the people that you spend a lot of time with. Yeah, I can see that too, because there's been a couple of times where like you're saying, we're, we're so similar. There's nothing really to talk about. Or like, yeah, I would totally do that. You're like, yeah, me too. And there's like the end of discussion because you're pretty much the same person, <laughs> but yeah, you know, female versions of it. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I hear this from women a lot when I'm coaching people is that they say, you know, I, I want to learn something from someone. Um, and I think a lot of that comes from dating someone who's got different, different like professional backgrounds. Um, you know, my day to day job, I don't necessarily want to work with someone who does the same thing because what are we going to talk about at the end of the day? Like if I ask about how your day has been, what are you going to be able to tell me that I haven't experienced firsthand myself as well? Um, you know, I want to date someone who's had different experiences and can come home and say to me, this is all the stuff that I've done today and it's so different to my day that I just want to keep asking questions and I want to find out more about it. Um, a lot of women will say they don't care really what a man does for a, a, a career as long as he's passionate about it. And I think that speaks absolute volumes. Like, as, And I think this kind of 
is relevant for anyone to be honest like as long as you talk with passion and conviction about what you do and what you enjoy you're going to excite the other person you know even if you're a bookworm and you love to go to the library every weekend and find out a different book great that's fine like that's your thing but you can talk about it in a way that is passionate and when you're talking about something that you're passionate about naturally it's exciting like your voice tones change your pitch heightens and because you're speaking in a different capacity the person that you're speaking to will naturally become more excited about the topic of conversation as well so and actually this kind of sidelines into a slightly different topic you know when people are saying that they go on to dates and things like piss her out and they don't really know what to talk about and there's a load of awkward silences um I always say, you know, ultimately you can be the conversation creator. You don't need to wait on the other person to ask you questions. If they say, how was your day? I know a lot of us will fall into the habit of going, yeah, like it was fine. Like my week's been a bit crazy, you know, work's been busy, but yeah, how was yours? Like you haven't really started a story there. Like nothing actually, you haven't given any information that's exciting or new or like anything that they can then ask another question on. You've actually kind of dead ended the conversation. So my advice would be just pick anything in your week, whatever it was, if, whether you've tried a new coffee shop or you've shopped online at a different store, like whatever it is, you can pull out literally anything in your week and then alter the whole conversation. So for example, you, if someone's like, oh, how was your week? You could go, yeah, it was great. I actually tried out a new coffee shop this week and it was really, really cool. Have you ever been to such and such coffee shop? It's right near this place. And oh my God, there's the cutest part opposite. Have you ever been like rollerblading? Because oh my God, I'd love to try it. And then that automatically segues you into potentially a second date because you've already given them a list of about four places where they could take you or an activity that you could try together. So you've been the conversation creator. And that makes you seem so much more interesting as a person than just going, yeah, like, you know, my week was okay. How was yours? Yeah, I can definitely see that. Because I know in the same thing with online dating, when you're first messaging and you have to figure out what to talk about, like you, I usually, on Bumble, I just say, hello, how are you? And let it go with whatever they say and then you know, expand on it. But it would be even more helpful, as you're saying to mention a few things and let them pick of the many topics that you mentioned and just see where it goes. And everyone has a more of an opening. Yeah. I mean, look, I, one of the things that I say is that the less conversation you can have between initially talking to someone and getting on that date, the better, because that means the more conversation you've got in your reserve. So, you know, I have friends and clients who say, that, you know, they've matched with someone online and then they've had, they've been like, oh my God, the conversation is so easy. It flows so well. Like we've been talking on the phone and I'm like, great. How was your first date? And they go, well, we haven't been on it yet. And I'm like, well, okay. It's great that you feel like you've got that connection, but also in an a day and age now where everyone is so replaceable, what is making you say, like define what a connection is to me? Because to most people, a connection can actually only be, be made face to face. That's where you can read someone's body language, their facial expressions, the tone in their voice. Like, that's where you build that connection and that bond with someone. Doing that online, 
I don't really, I think we've kind of lost what the meaning of connection really is, if I'm honest. Um, you know, we say that we've connected with someone because maybe a conversation has gone on slightly longer than it has with the other five people that we've matched with on Tinder, Bumble, whatever the site is. And maybe they've asked us a question that maybe other people haven't asked us. And we're going, oh my God, this person's awesome. Like they are so great. We've got such a connection. Okay. How though? What's the connection? Like define what connection means to me. It means to you between the two of you. It's like, cause that, that would be my question. You say you've got a connection. Great. Yeah, cool. I believe you, but tell me how. How has that been built? How has it been established? What's it based on? Because when you say we've been seeing each other from, for a month, we've got a great connection. That to me is more tangible and more believable than someone that you're saying you've got a great connection with who you've only spoken to via an app or via messenger or via a phone call. Um, you know, a lot of people can hide and become someone different via their phone. So, you know, you could say that you've got a great, a great connection online, but then you might meet them face to face and instantly that connection just disappears and they're not the person that you kind of assumed that they would be because you've built this expectation up in your head. And this is where, and I'm not, I'm not not a fan of online dating because I think it's creates some great, awesome relationships. And I think there is a very good time and place for online dating. However, I do think that we get very caught up in it nowadays and we kind of create these really instantaneous connections and then we meet someone and they haven't lived up to the expectations that we have, we've had of them in our head because maybe they look slightly different or they sound slightly different to what we expected or they're built slightly differently or they're not as tall as we, there's so many different varying factors when you match with someone online versus meeting someone face to face and actually getting to experience their presence as a human being. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I've always say I prefer to meet sooner than later because I, I did that years ago. I had a four hour conversation and as soon as I saw him, I was like, Ugh, like I just, there's no attraction. Like, there's no possibility here. So I learned, you know, not to have to go long conversations where you feel like you're, everything's awesome. And yeah, it can change in an instant when you see each other. And, um, we are getting towards the end. Do you have any, um, like, closing comments or final stuff to say about you know any of the things we talked about today? Um, look, I would say when you're in a relationship with someone and if you figure out that you guys have differing love languages, this isn't the end of the world. Like, you know, I've, I've got friends who have been together for years who've got very opposite love languages and it's just taking a second to realize how the other person is expressing their feelings for you, that you can really understand and deepen that connection with them because it's very easy, especially like I said, for women to be like, Oh, he doesn't care because he hasn't bought me flowers or he hasn't done the dishes. So he just doesn't care anymore. And I'm like, okay, but how, what, what are the things that he has done this week or what are the things that she's done this week? Okay. You know, this works both ways. Um, because it will be in those little gestures that you you overlook because you don't count them as love and affection. It will be in those little moments where they are expressing how much they feel. And I think that's something really, really important to take away from this. Yeah, and I will agree. Like I was you know, married for a short while and he did acts of service and I was not someone that appreciated it at the time. But now I can see where, you know, 
And then I also dated someone that was words of affirmation. And it's just not in me to say all that stuff. He even like, you know, we did the quiz together. We wrote the, um, he gave me a list of things I could say to him <laughs> to make him feel more loved and, and being honest. And he knows this, that, you know, might, I might not have felt as strongly as him as well. So it's hard to say things when you're not sure you're even feeling them. And especially if you're not someone that says stuff like that, but, um, I do. Yeah. Wanna... And I also think that, um, a correlation that I've seen a lot is that people who have words of affirmation and physical touch as their top two love languages tend to most of the time be, um, anxiously attached as well. So, that's just something else to consider. Like if you crave those words of reassurance and those compliments, it could actually have something to do with your attachment style. Um, I always say to people to have a look into attachment styles and to really research what they are and what they think that theirs could be because there is so much to learn in that space and there's so much that you can learn about yourself and how you behave in relationships and how you behave in dating that are really, really important, especially if your, I guess your love lives haven't been completely successful up to this point. I think it's really good doing a, doing a little bit of homework. Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, there's a couple books. I know I mentioned it last time attached and then I'm reading a new book avoidant and it, it gives you all the love or all the attachment styles but it focuses on the avoidant type and there's avoidant dismissive and different styles there but i do want to also say too that danielle has her own podcast and it's called love undressed and she also can be found on instagram and tiktok at at underscore the love list any last parting things <laughs> um no I think uh I think that covered it um yeah I like I said you know I do I do a lot of talking about especially attachment styles to be honest I do a lot of uh a lot of things around that because um I do find them very interesting like I said I've learned a lot from my own dating life and my own experiences and that of all my friends and family around me and yeah it's a very broad but very fascinating topic so you know if you think that you're dating someone who has an opposite attachment style to you again like there's no need no need to kind of freak out about it it's the literally the sheer base of attachment styles a communication yeah and it has to do with how you were raised as well so you know like you talked about earlier all right. Well, on behalf of Danielle and myself, thank you for listening to Straight from the Source's Mouth. We have Frank talk about sex and dating in the modern world. This is episode number 10. And we talked about um, love languages, attachment styles, and dating in general. And be sure to um, subscribe, follow, or there's a third one I always forget. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Danielle. Frank talk, Frank talk, sex and dating educates.